Hey, it's KJ with Living Christian, and welcome to the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast. If this is your first time here, what we do on this podcast is read a chapter of the Bible, drink a little bit of coffee, and talk a whole lot about Jesus along the way. Each episode dives into Scripture and discusses it in a somewhat modern and relatable way. I'll also be answering some questions from my social media followers. They'll submit a question if you'd like me to answer it. Oh, and we'll drink coffee along the way as well. Although our main focus is reading the Bible and drinking some coffee, we will also occasionally be doing some interviews, some random other messages along the way, so be sure to check back often. If you feel the urge to support the podcast, you can do so right here on the podcast page. If this podcast helps you grow in your faith, maybe consider sending it to a friend or uh, maybe dropping a rating or review. It certainly helps us get the word out. And also make sure you check out livingchristian.org for Bible verse lists, Christian blog, an apparel store with a bunch of Christian t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. It's awesome. All at livingchristian.org. And if you're there, make sure you use the code podcast20. That's a special code for 20% off our entire store only for our podcast listeners. So podcast20, use that when you're on livingchristian.org. Now let's get to the episode. All right, welcome to a brand new episode of the Bible Reading Coffee Podcast. Uh, we are on Mark 4 today, so if you have your Bibles handy, make sure you break them out and follow along with me if you'd like. Uh, if you're jogging or riding in your car or doing something else fun and just listening to the soothing sounds of my voice, so to speak, uh, don't read along, just listen to me and uh, we'll get through Mark 4 today. So make sure you stay tuned to the end of the podcast where I'll read uh, a couple of questions from my social media followers. We've got uh, three picked out today, and so if this is your first time here, welcome, I humbled by uh, you joining the podcast here. So uh, we'll get ready to read Mark 4 and answer some questions, and um, we'll probably pray at the end. So let's hit Mark 4 today. All right, Mark 4 is about the parable of the farmer scattering seeds. All right, let's read. Uh, Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into the boat. Then he sat by the boat, or sat in the boat, rather, while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by teaching them many stories in form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell onto the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Verse 5. Other seed fell along shallow soil and underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell along the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell in the fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now think about what he said there at the end. He, he tells a story about the different types of seeds being dropped, right? And we're all those different types of seeds, which we'll get into in a minute, right? Yeah. Uh, even the disciples at that point didn't necessarily even understand, which we'll get into in a minute. But what he finishes at is anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. What he's forcing us to do is say, you know, everybody who hears this, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. There's a difference between hearing and listening, isn't there? I mean, I know when my uh, I'm, a, I'm a father and I've got two teenage daughters and they hear me talk a lot. Doesn't mean they always listen to what I'm saying, right? So what Jesus wants us to do is, if you have the ability to hear, which is everybody at that time, you should listen and understand. So you really have to pay attention to what he's saying and dive into it a little bit so you understand the correlation, what he's saying between these seeds and us people, right? All right, so let's go to verse 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him about what the parables meant. He said, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, so the scriptures might be fulfilled. 
And he's quoting the Old Testament here. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. All right, so let's go back. Let's, let's dive into 13 here, where he's going to kind of describe what the parable meant. He wants the apostles to understand the parable, but he also understands, and what he's telling them is, if they're not believers, if you don't understand the secret of the kingdom of God, if you're not understanding that Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior for you, then you're not going to understand the parable, and it's not going to mean anything to you. So he speaks in parables to get us as followers to understand a simple way of correlating what he's saying to our own lives. All right, let's hit verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seeds by taking God's words to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come and take it away. Verse 16, the seed on the rocky soil, this is the second analogy that he presented, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing in God's word. Now, third example, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. The final example, the fourth one, is verse 20, is, And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. So what is he saying there, right? He has four different examples. Let's unpack it a little bit before we get to the next parable. There's a lot of parables in Mark 4. So the first one is, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, but only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So they're not really truly believers. They're very shallow in their faith that they have any at all. It's just a compacted footpath. So there's no soil. There's no foundation for the seed to take a hold of. It just sits on top and gets brushed away by the air, by birds, by Satan. The second is rocky soil represent those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. So those are uh, people that hear the message, right? But maybe they are living in a non-Christian life, we'll call it. They're living on a rocky path and rocky soil. So it's not fertile enough. The soil is not fer- fertile enough for the, for the Word of God to sink in, for them to understand the true meaning of the gospel, for them to understand that Jesus is their Savior. And third example. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but are all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life. So it's the it's what he talks about in other verses of you can't love money and God. You can't be of this world and involved in this world and love this world and our society and our culture and and and, and love Jesus at the same time. You gotta think about this is probably most of us, I would say. Now, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just looking at my own life at times. But there are plenty of times on a daily basis where we get consumed by the news, right? By this culture, by this world. All the distractions around us that are just absolutely bombarding us daily, trying to pull us away from God. Those are the thorns he's kind of referring to here. Right? This world, the lure of wealth, the worries of this life, the desire for other things. That's what he's talking about. So we may hear it, and we may absorb God's Word, but we're not 
we're not mature enough in our faith to kind of go out and spread that and produce the fruit that he wants us to produce. It's crowded out by the noise, by the distractions, by this, by the distractions. You have a sip of coffee on that one. So is this you today? Are you unable to take God's word and take that message? And you may believe that Jesus is your savior, but do you have a fruitful life? So how do we get from the third example to the fourth example? Right? The fourth example being the seed that fell on the ground in good soil. And it represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times as much has been planted. So what he's saying there is if you have a good foundation of Christ and you live a, 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 a life focused on Jesus to where your soil is fertile and you can block out the noise and the distractions and the thorns of this world, if you can do that, and then you take that and you produce fruit. You produce with that seed 30, 60, 100 times. So it's part of our job to produce 100 times what we absorb from Jesus. What he's talking about there is making disciples out of disciples, living a good Christian fruitful life to the point to where other people find Christ through you. That's what he wants. So he doesn't want us to be shallow footpath. He doesn't want us to be rocky soil in our lives. He doesn't want us to be too consumed with this world and the wealth and the problems in our society and our culture and all the garbage that the news is thrown at us. What he wants is us to have a foundation of Christ, fertile soil, take God's word in, read our Bible, and spread the gospel out and produce 30, 60 to 100 times as much as he is planting in us. It's a great parable. Let's go on the next one. Uh, parable of the lamp, verse 21. Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under the basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where, it, where its light it will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out in the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. There's that again, right? He's telling these people, he's telling the disciples, he's telling anybody that will listen is, you can hear me, but are you listening? Do you understand? You should. Verse 24, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, there's the distinction between hearing and listening again. The, the closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. You receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, not hear, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. For those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So what he's going to, this whole half of this parable is talking about the difference between hearing and listening. Are you just hearing God? Are you just, do you just kind of know Jesus? Do you know of him? Or do you know him? Right? Are you hearing or are you listening? Because you're not going to understand unless you truly block out everything, all the other noise of the world, and truly listen to what he's telling you. If you skim through the Bible at a high level, you may be hearing it, you may be hearing the word, unless you kind of dive in and study and understand what he's telling us, you're not listening. So use that knowledge that you're getting as the light. Don't put your light under a bed or under a basket, right? Shine that light bright. Be proud of your Christianity. Be proud of your love for Jesus and go out and spread it. Verse 26 is another parable. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Back to seed again. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, 
The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces its crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the, gr the grain ripens. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. He's talking about seeds growing on their own, so he wants us to plant the seed, right? He's talking about a farmer scattering seeds on the ground. He's planting the seeds. Night or day, while he's asleep or awake, the seeds sprout. So what are you doing to spread seeds amongst the people in your life? You don't always have to bombard them with the word of God, with your love of Jesus. But you got to go around planting seeds. Let them see Jesus through you. Plant those seeds and watch them grow. The parable of the mustard seed is verse 30. Jesus said, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. So, you know, Jesus is asking his disciples at that point, hey guys, all you need is a little faith. <laughs> all you need is the tiniest of mustard seeds. The mustard seed is the smallest, but it grows tall. It grows firm. It allows you to have long branches and birds to make nests in the shade. Verse 33, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterwards, he was alone with his disciples. He explained everything to them. So that ends with kind of the explanation of how Jesus was using these parables for all these big crowds, right? In this instance, he's standing amongst these big crowds and teaching them these things and even telling them they, they may not understand. That he hopes that the disciples understand, right? Because they're closer to him, right? But he explained, he even talks about it at the end, but afterwards when he was alone with the disciples, he explained everything to them because they had dedicated their lives to Christ. So they're listening. So they're gaining understanding and wisdom and knowledge. So he's showing an example of if you just show up, I hate to I hate to make the correlation to our church on Sunday, right? But if you just show up to the large with the large crowds, and you're hearing about planting seeds, about the parable of the mustard seed, how all you need is a little bit of faith. You just need the smallest of seed and it lets it grow. Uh, you need to plant other seeds around you to teach people about Christ. If you just show up on Sunday and you're hearing these things, is it sinking into your life? But if you follow Christ on a daily basis, as the disciples were, you'll understand and he'll explain everything to you. I mean, think about what just happened. And we got a, one more section here of, verse, of Mark 4, but he talks, he's in a big crowd. He's talking on the lakeshore. He talks about four different parables. The first one, he's talking about the classifications of followers. Which one are you? Do you have fertile soil? Do you have shallow soil? Do you have rocky soil? Like, where are you? You got thorns around you? Is this world distracting you? Where are you? And, and that's going to affect your ability to understand my message, he's saying. The second one is the, is the lamp. You light your, you know, you light your lamp, but if you hide it amongst everything, is it actually producing any light, right? Are you, are you keeping things a secret? And he even talks about in verse 22 that everything that is hidden will eventually be brought in the open. So there's no reason to keep your love of Christ secret. Third, growing seeds. All you got to do is take that light, you take that seed and you plant it around your life and, and watch it grow amongst the people in your life. 
And finally, he talks about, now, does this take a lot? Does it take a huge amount of seeds? No, it just takes faith as small as a mustard seed in order to grow. So he's telling all this large crowd these parables. Are they understanding it? Maybe, maybe not. But if you follow him on a daily basis, he will explain everything to you. Let's have a coffee. Our last part of um, Mark 4 here is Jesus calming the storm. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So this is after he's done teaching, right? So he's kind of laid out all these parables and basically told everybody that, hey, you got to listen to me. You can't just hear these messages. I need you to listen and follow me. And if you follow me and pay attention and listen to me, you'll understand. Now they leave. As evening comes, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking uh, into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping on the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Don't you still have no, do you still have no faith? I mean, he just got done talking about having faith as small as a mustard seed. And immediately afterwards, the storm came and they lost their faith. It's crazy to me. Verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They ask each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So think about the disciples who are following him on a daily basis, right? Have given up their lives walked amongst the countryside with him, watched him teach. They literally just watched him teach to a huge crowd of people about all these parables. So obviously they didn't even understand initially, if that makes sense. They heard these parables and didn't understand the faith aspect of it. Because the first instance, they get on a boat, the storms are raging, Jesus calms the winds and the storm, and they look terrified? Who is this man, they ask each other. Even the wind and waves obey them. Do you think they were questioning Jesus? Or is it more of an in awe response? Of like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? You know, even the winds and the waves obey him. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's hard to read the context of that. But I would hope if you were in that instance, or if I was in that instance, in that boat, the storm's raging, or with Jesus who just spoke, and he calms the winds and the storms, that I would be just absolutely amazed about what I was watching. Right? Do you believe it? Do you can you believe an unbelievable situation? That's faith in, in many ways. Right? Faith in Jesus is believing what the world will tell us is unbelievable. But if you go back to the beginning where he's talking about planting the seeds, those are the thorns. Right? Our society, our culture, the news, entertainment, uh, yada, yada, it's all telling us that Jesus is unbelievable. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Science is right. Jesus is wrong. You guys are crazy. But it is believing the unbelievable. You're watching Jesus calm the winds and waves around your life and believing that it is him working in your life and saving you on a daily basis. That's the message here. We all go through storms in our life every single day. We may read our Bible, we may study the Word and pray, but every single day this life is going to throw storms at you. And when Jesus calms the waves and the storms in your life, do you, do you respond with, I can't believe this happened? 
Or do you respond with, wow, even the trials and tribulations in my life are calmed with Jesus. What a blessing. What an amazing gift it is to have Jesus calming the storms and the waves and the winds of your life. That's Mark 4. What a great chapter. What a great book. I love Mark 4. I love reading the Gospels, especially as we kind of go back into the second half of the year and we start inching our way towards Christmas. I love kind of diving into the Gospels a little bit more uh, to have a uh, better understanding and appreciation as we get closer to the end of the year uh, for uh, for what Jesus is and what he has done for us. We should be reading them all the time, uh, but even kind of getting into, it'll be August here uh, now. Uh, I can't believe it's August already, but uh, it's August already, and, and we're going to hit that fall months here pretty soon, and uh, we got to get prepare ourselves for Christmas, even though it's pretty early right now. All right, uh, thanks for joining me on that Mark IV journey, and let's uh, let's hit a few questions, and then we'll wrap it up today. So, all right, so um, did Jesus actually have brothers? It gets referred to as B, but I don't understand. This is from one of my followers on Instagram. Uh, actually, yes, it does refer to Jesus having brothers in the Bible. Uh, uh, if you read the book of James, uh, he is described as a brother of Jesus. So there are some, uh, we'll call it denominations, who believe that it was more of just brothers in terms of like um, friends, as close as brothers. Uh, but most have the traditional uh, thought that these were brothers of Christ. Uh, Joseph and Mary had additional children, and they were biologically, so to speak, uh, brothers of Christ. So James being one of them. So as you read the book of James, if you haven't already, it's short. There's just five chapters in there. Uh, Read it from the context of uh, James being the brother of Jesus. Because in many ways, when they were younger, I'm sure they were jealous of him, right? Especially as he started his ministry and walking, people started following him. uh, And does speak to that a little bit in the Bible a couple of times. But think about the the way James, being a brother who had to live in the shadow of Jesus, and how he writes, and what he says, and the commands that he gives, and the knowledge that he gives from that perspective is pretty telling. So yes, uh, Jesus did have actual brothers, uh, physical human brothers, uh, we'll call them, and uh, James being one of them that wrote the book of James. So take a read of that and uh, kind of read it from that perspective. It's pretty cool. All right, second question is from uh, Joseph on Instagram. All these came from Instagram today. Do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? All right, so there are some denominations uh, that will tell you that you have to be water baptized in order to go to heaven. If Take a look at Catholics or Lutherans or some of the other ones. They actually baptize babies really early because they feel that they have to uh, be water baptized in order to go to heaven. Now, I'll say this. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell you that. Right? It do, what it does tell you is once you accept Christ and are baptized, right, you can go to heaven. That's your path. So what does that mean? Be, to be baptized. I think there's two meanings of baptisms from my perspective, and you could not agree with this, and that's okay. I think there is baptism with the Holy Spirit. So once you accept Jesus Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are baptized, you are born again through the Spirit, as the Bible said. That's spiritual baptism. That's you accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior in your life, and you're filled and guided through the rest of your life with the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. Now, water baptism, on the other hand, even Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist, right? It is an important step of showing our faith. Is it necessary to go to heaven? I do not believe so. I do not believe so. The thief on the cross 
believed that Jesus was the Savior and the Messiah, and Jesus turned to him and said, I will see you in paradise. He wasn't baptized. He's never even read any of the scriptures. But he had faith. And he had knowledge that Jesus was the Savior. That's what it takes. Okay, but water baptism is important. It's an outward show of faith to your community, to your church, to your family, to your friends. It goes back to what we talked about in Mark with planting the seeds, living that Christian lifestyle. Part of that is being baptized. So do I think you have to be water baptized to go to heaven? No. Do I think it's an important step of your faith? Yes. Do you have to be, do you have to be spiritually baptized? Yes. What does that mean? That means accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and now you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's spiritual baptism, we'll call it. That's how I feel. Now, you can feel differently. Different denominations teach different things. But I, I don't—the Bible talks about accepting Jesus and, and Jesus being the only way. And as a baby, do you understand that? Probably not. Right? Probably not. So, uh, I, I, not to— tell denominations that they're right or wrong, but I'm telling you what I feel. This is my opinion. My opinion is, in order to go to heaven, you have to accept Jesus Christ and follow him in your life and be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And part of that is acknowledging that and then also getting water baptized and making that public declaration to your church, to your family, to your friends that, hey, I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So I think it's a a very necessary step, but it's not required. All right, that's my answer. I hope you guys like it. hope that's good enough for you. <laughs> so, all right, so let's uh, end in prayer, and then we'll do a, uh, I'll wrap it up here in a second. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today on this podcast. We're so thankful that you provide this technology and the devices uh, in order to share the gospel along these ways. We know that we're planting seeds here. For every person who listens to this, there's a seed being planted of faith. And every time somebody shares this podcast, there's another seed being placed. We're trying to share the seeds of 30, 60 to 100 times of what's been planted inside of us, just like you told us in Mark. And we're so thankful for that word today. Please be with everybody who's listening to this podcast today, who watches uh, this on YouTube, who follows us on social media. Please be with everybody and guide them in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I want to thank you guys again for listening to the podcast. I hope you got a little something out of it. I hope it brings you a little closer to your faith. If it did, maybe consider sharing this with a friend, as I mentioned. Drop us a rating and review. It helps us get the word out. That's very necessary in order to kind of grow the podcast. And finally, don't forget to visit us at livingchristian.org for all sorts of resources to help you live a Christian life seven days a week. And use that code PODCAST20 to get 20% off anytime on anything on the store. Until next time, keep Jesus in your heart and eternity on your mind. God bless you guys.